You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, November 11th, 2022. Coming up this hour, stocks follow yesterday's powerful rally with more gains. Chinese and Hong Kong stocks surge after Beijing eases quarantine rules. FTX.com's assets are frozen by authorities in the Bahamas. And Elon Musk warns of a possible bankruptcy at Twitter. New York City Mayor Adams defends his focus on crime, plus the remnants of Hurricane Nicole leave at least two people dead in Florida. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Big third period for the Rangers to win in Detroit. The Islanders were shut out. The Devils won their eighth in a row. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. Stock Index futures on the rise this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 15 points this morning. Dow futures up 122. NASDAQ futures up 66. No trading in the U.S. bond market today in observance of the Veterans Day holiday. NYMEX crude oil is up 3.5%. It's at $89.49 a barrel. Amy. Karen, U.S. futures are building on yesterday's historic rally. The S&P 500 coming off a 5.5% gain for the best first-day reaction to a CPI report since at least 2003 when records began. Headline inflation came in at 7.7%. That's the lowest since January. Doug Sioka is CEO at Kavar Capital. If you think what ended the bear market pop two weeks ago, it's when the Fed came out at the press conference. So if the Fed now, in the, in the red semester being one of the, 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 the head hawks, is talking a little less strongly, the market might take that as a higher probability that this may not be a bear market bounce, but something start of a next leg of a bull market. Despite the rally, Kavar Capital's Doug Siokos notes the S&P 500 is still down 17% this year. 
Well, we saw an immediate reaction in Fed funds futures following that report, Amy. Rates traders now see just a half-point rate hike next month instead of another three-quarter point increase. The Fed appears to be backing a downshift in rate hikes, and here's Dallas Fed President Lori Logan and Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker. While I believe it may be appropriate to slow the pace of rate increases so we can better assess how financial and economic conditions are evolving, I also believe a slower pace should not be taken to represent easier policy. In the upcoming months, in light of the cumulative tightening we have achieved, I expect we will slow the pace of our rate hikes as we approach a sufficiently restrictive stance. But I want to be clear, a rate hike of 50 basis points would still be significant. Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker and Dallas Fed Chief Lori Logan spoke at separate events yesterday after the latest inflation reading. And Karen, the softer consumer price print coupled with China's move to ease some COVID rules fueled a rally in Asia overnight. Stocks in the region jumped by the most since March of 2020. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, ABN Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index climbed more than 4.5%, also on track for its best weekly gain since March 2020. Hong Kong's benchmark surged more than 7% after China reduced its quarantine time for inbound travellers and scrapped COVID flight suspensions, adding to the positive sentiment around top leaders calling for a more targeted approach to controlling the coronavirus. Regionally, chipmakers also saw that drove benchmarks in Taiwan, South Korea and Japan higher, and local currencies got a boost as the dollar suffered its worst day since 2009, the Korean won jumping the most since October 2008. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. In Europe today, we have data on the British economy. GDP in the UK shrank in the third quarter, marking the start of what's expected to be a protracted recession. Gross domestic product fell two-tenths of one percent. Consumer spending and business investment both fell. The Bank of England sees a recession persisting into the middle of 2024. And new developments this morning involving FTX.com and the crypto collapse that it sparked. A securities regulator in the Bahamas has now frozen the assets of FTX and related parties. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. The Bahamas Securities Commission said a freeze was the prudent course of action to preserve assets and stabilize the company. And an attorney has been appointed provisional liquidator as the commission aims to place the beleaguered crypto exchange into receivership. The commission also said it's aware of statements suggesting clients' assets were mishandled, mismanaged, and or transferred to Alameda Research. Alameda is the trading house at the heart of Bankman-Fried's digital asset empire. He is the founder and CEO of FTX.com, based in the Bahamas. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. Well, Twitter in the spotlight once again today. Bloomberg News has learned that Elon Musk is telling employees that bankruptcy is a possibility for the company. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Word came in his first address to Twitter employees since buying the company for $44 billion. The social network has a significant debt burden from the acquisition and has seen a pullback from some advertisers that are concerned about Musk's plans for content moderation. Musk also told staff on the call that the days of free food and other perks are over at Twitter's offices in New York. Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Charlie. One other note on Twitter, the social media network reinstated official badges for high-profile accounts to combat a growing problem of users impersonating major brands. The gray badge reappeared below the profiles of businesses and major media outlets this morning. 
Now let's get you up to date on politics, Amy. In the race for the Senate, control is still undecided three days after the election. All comes down to three states. Counts are ongoing in Arizona and Nevada. And the race in Georgia is going to a runoff in December. President Biden says Democrats face long odds to keep control of the House, but says it's not impossible. Well, you know, it's still alive. It's still alive. It's like drawn an inside straight, but it's still alive. And Republicans are on pace to win at least 210 seats so far, compared to Democrats' 192. 218 seats are required for a majority. And it is a blow for the Biden administration, a federal judge in Texas striking down the president's plan to forgive student loans. The judge called it one of the largest exercises of legislative power without congressional authority in the history of the United States. The Justice Department says it will appeal. The plan is already on hold under an emergency stay from another federal court. S&P futures up 13 points, Dow futures up 117, NASDAQ up 60. This is Bloomberg. 607 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says he won't stop talking about crime, pushing back on criticism that he helped fuel the momentum of Republican candidates across the state in the midterm elections. Adams says that the system is broken and no one wanted to hear that. Adams later spoke at a community event on public safety. He talked about removing the homeless off the streets. When I started in January, I went out and visited those camps and those encampments, and I saw inside there was inhumane, human waste, stale food, dirty clothing, drug paraphernalia. Some people were bipolar, schizophrenic. That is inhumane to allow people to live that way. And I said, as the mayor of this city, it's not happening under our watch. Republican candidates seized upon crime as a central issue in the midterms, including Representative Lee Zeldin, who ran closer than expected in his failed bid to unseat New York's Democratic governor, Kathy Hochul. President Biden left last night for his foreign country tour. The president will be joining world leaders in Egypt for the United Nations Global Climate Summit also known as COP27. Meanwhile, the bilateral meeting between Presidents Xi Jinping and Joe Biden has been set for the sidelines of the G20 early next week. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says the U.S. will brief Taiwanese officials before and after the president's talk. They sit down Monday. Sullivan says face-to-face. He will get to sit in the same room with Xi Jinping, be direct and straightforward with him as he always is, and expect the same in return from Xi, and then he can make his judgments on that basis about how to take things forward. Sullivan says he's confident Taipei will feel secure about its support from the United States. Sullivan repeated the U.S. commitment to Taiwan Relations Act and peace and stability in the strait. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Tropical depression to coal is in Georgia this morning after a day of causing havoc in Florida as a hurricane and then tropical storm. Nicole had cut across central Florida after making landfall near Vero Beach. The storm caused at least two deaths and sent homes along Florida's coast toppling into the ocean. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 
It's 6.10 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy. Rangers went to Detroit, having recently lost to the Red Wings, part of a three-game losing streak. They trailed 2-1. to one. It was 2-2 third period when the Rangers erupted six goals in ten and a half minutes. Six different goal scores. Rangers won 8-2. to two. Islanders shut out by Arizona 2-0. The Devils stay hot in overtime with Ottawa. Looks around. Now for Hamilton. This is right. They score! Power play game winner for the Devils. And the winning streak is at 8. Devils radio calling the Nico Heeshear tip-in for the 4-3 victory. Nike boss Phil Knight says his company likely ending its relationship with Kyrie Irving now serving a suspension with the Nets for his posting of an anti-Semitic video, his refusal to apologize, although NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, who recently met with Irving, told the New York Times he does not believe Irving is anti-Semitic. LeBron James said his former teammate should be allowed to play. LeBron said the requirements the Nets have put in place for Irving's reinstatement are excessive. NFL Carolina beat Atlanta 25-15. Panthers are 3-7. and seven. Falcons are 4-6. and six. The entire NFC South is under 500, as opposed to the Jets division, the AFC East, where everyone is over 500. Jets are off this week. Giants Sunday host Houston. Giants also in a tough division, battling Dallas and unbeaten Philadelphia. And as for Washington, the problems there continue. The D.C. Attorney General filing a civil lawsuit against the team and owner Dan Snyder, as well as Roger Goodell in the NFL, for covering up and deceiving fans of what was going on in a toxic workplace. There were recently indications that Snyder may be finally looking to sell the team. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right, thank you, John. S&P Futures up 15 points. Dow Futures up 117. NASDAQ Futures up 67 points. The DAX in Germany up... uh, Five-tenths of a percent. CAC in Paris up five-tenths of a percent. FTSE in London down three-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning, along with European shares as the euphoria over a falling inflation in the world's largest economy extends into a second day. And China relaxes some COVID restrictions. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 17 points. Dow futures up 134. NASDAQ futures up 72. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. The 10-year Treasury, well, no trading in the bond market today. That's an observance of the Veterans Day holiday. NYMEX crude oil is up 3.5%, up $3 at $89.48 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $8 at $17.61.70 an ounce. The euro, 1.0269 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1736. And the yen at 139.77. And Bitcoin down 2.5% at $17,350. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A fast-moving missile has struck an apartment building. 
building in the south of Ukraine. People in Mykolaiv woke up to find the building in ruins. Rescuers raced to the scene, digging through debris for survivors. A federal judge in Texas struck down the Biden administration's sweeping student loan forgiveness plan. U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman, an appointee of President Trump, called it one of the largest exercises of legislative power without congressional authority in the history of the United States. In the NHL, the Devils won in overtime against the Senators 4-3. The Rangers and Bruins also won. The Islanders lost. In the NBA, the Wizards won. Thursday night football, the Panthers beat the Falcons 25-15. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 619 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Now, Bloomberg News has learned Elon Musk is warning Twitter employees that bankruptcy is a possibility. We're joined now by Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Matthew Bloxham. Matthew, thank you for taking the time with us this morning to sort this out. It was Elon Musk, a new owner's first address to Twitter employees since he bought the company. And between this and the firings and some of the other issues going on, eliminating work from home, it seems like a chaotic start. Yeah, it, it does certainly been um, a lot of news to digest and, uh, you know, some really quite fundamental changes for Twitter employees, as, as you said, um, getting rid of you know, 50% of the headcount and telling people that they're going to have to do a U-turn on the work from anywhere policy that Twitter became quite famous for. So, um, yeah, very different uh, future, I think, if you're a Twitter employee. Uh, Some of the other warnings for employees during that address, there could be 80-hour work weeks, which doesn't seem right. Fewer office perks. Uh, He said, quote, we're going to need to be more hardcore. What is his end game here? Yeah, you know, I, I think he's trying to turn this business into uh, a company with a much sharper commercial edge. As you say, those 80-hour weeks is, is stuff we've heard him talk about with uh, with his other companies too, particularly uh, Tesla uh, and even at SpaceX. You know, he, he really is an incredibly demanding boss um, and he expects people to put in the same commitment that he does. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, he, he's trying to kind of remodel Twitter um, into into something that's really much more focused around the, the, the revenue uh, and the profit it's going to make and, and, you know, ultimately helping him to get a return on that big investment he's made. Is is that going to work? Uh, this doesn't seem sustainable just from looking from the outside in. What needs to happen to help keep Twitter alive and and engaged? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think in in the next maybe who knows three, six, twelve months, perhaps longer. This is going to be a pretty um, volatile time for the company. Uh, I think you know, the benefit from not being in the public gaze of shareholders in terms of numbers, because certainly you could see um, active users dip, profit dip, revenue dip in the near term. I think you know there's a couple of things that he clearly wants to do. One, he he's looking to reassure advertisers that um, Twitter is still a good place uh, to, to spend ad dollars and if anything to be a better place than it's been in the past to, to spend ad, ad dollars I think given you know the kind of noise we've heard about hate speech rising since his acquisition he's got a lot of work to do to convince advertisers but clearly that's that's part of his agenda the, the other part of his agenda is to diversify uh, the sources of revenue so rather than being almost exclusively reliant on advertising revenue uh, to get subscription revenue of some description up to a 
as much as 50% of the revenue brace. That, that, that will make uh, the company much less exposed to the cyclicality of, um, of the economy and, and how much advertisers are spending uh, and give a much more kind of predictable uh, stream of revenue and hopefully you know, significantly increase the size of the business. So you know, that, that, that those are two very big um, tasks and uh, you know, will, will involve a huge amount of commitment from, um, from the company. Now, to that end, he also handed at new products that he wants to introduce on the platform, like controversial ads, checking accounts from Twitter. Does that go along with what you were just explaining about how they were going to boost revenue? What does this tell you? Yeah, it does. I think you know it, it tells you that um, yeah he, he looks at Twitter and you know I think for a long time they've thought about trying to get the active user base to a, a billion users. You know that you know they're at around 250 million, and it's been growing only slowly. So I think you know recognizing that if you're going to uh, massively increase the revenue. They, they make about $5 billion of revenue a year, you know, dwarfed by Google uh, and Meta. If you're going to substantially increase the scale of the business to boost the profitability, you have to look at additional products and you think, well, you know, what are the kind of things uh, that we could offer to this 250 million or so users uh, that's going to bring in incremental revenue? I think he's looking to some of the kind of Chinese um, models that have kind of diversified, you know, things like WeChat. You know, you kind of got these ecosystems systems uh, that, that kind of basically draw more of active users' uh, daily lives um, into the platform and you generate um, you know, small, small chunks of revenue from lots of different services. Very quickly, 10, 15 seconds. What are you watching for in the coming few days? Um, well, I, I think really just kind of um, news on how they're going to evolve this kind of Twitter blue blue tick and the official status and if they're going to kind of clean that up and get it really nailed down uh, so that you know, advertisers feel that, you know, that, that the content can be trusted. Oh, yeah, that's a big deal, the blue tick. Thank you so much, Matthew. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Matthew Bloxham bringing us up to speed on what's up with Twitter. Uh, futures are higher. S&P futures up 18 points now. Dow futures up 141. NASDAQ futures up 77 points. DAX in Germany up six-tenths of a percent. CAC in Paris up a half percent. FTSE in London down two-tenths of a percent. Much more still to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. For 50 years, philanthropists at all levels have turned to JCF's donor-advised funds to streamline their charitable giving. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers clients earn interest of up to 3.33% on the idle cash in their brokerage accounts. Visit ibkr.com slash interest rates to learn more. Up first, U.S. futures are building on yesterday's gains, which saw the S&P 500 surge more than 5%. Slowing inflation was the catalyst. But InvestNet coach, chief investment officer Dana Doria, Cautions that there's still a bumpy road ahead. The Fed is 
a lot more concerned about a stop and go policy error than they are about pushing a little too hard still. All else equal, I think you still should be prepping for potentially tough conditions. InvestNet's Dana Doria says the likelihood of recession next year is still high. It is not clear if October's CPI print will slow the Fed's pace of tightening. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly addressed the issue yesterday. Stepping down is an appropriate thing to think about. I support a more gradual approach of getting to it so we can be discovering the right rate as we go. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly, one of three officials, signaling a downshift in rate hikes is possible. Well, Amy, new crypto developments this morning focused on FTX.com. A securities regulator in the Bahamas has now frozen the company's assets. The crypto exchange Binance had tried to acquire FTX, but the deal fell through. Now, Binance CEO CZ Zhao is addressing the matter. From a technology or product perspective, they don't have anything that we don't have. So our original intention was, let's save the users. But then the news of um, uh, misappropriating user funds and especially U.S. regulatory agencies' investigations, we're like, okay, we can't touch that anymore. And Binance CEO CG Zhao spoke at the Indonesia FinTech Summit today. And Karen, there's also another possible buyer for FTX. Tron founder Justin Sun says he's looking at providing the crypto exchange with billions of dollars. We need to uh, do a full due diligence and at the same time to uh, evaluate the situation, to have a full picture of like what's going on, how serious is the uh, liquidity uh, crunch. Tron founder Justin Sun tells us he's still evaluating whether to pursue a deal for FTX. Well, Twitter's in the spotlight again, Amy. Bloomberg News has learned Elon Musk told employees that bankruptcy is a possibility for the company. And futures this morning are on the rise. That's the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. We bring in Michael Barr to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says he won't stop talking about crime, pushing back on criticism that he helped fuel the momentum of Republican candidates across the state in the midterm elections. Adams says the system is broken and will continue to talk about that until we get it right. Adams later spoke at a community gathering on public safety. The person that sat down to get their portrait done and had a scar on their face, they told the artist that, I know you noticed my scar, but remember I have a face. And I'm saying that to New York City. We have scars, but we have a face. Every day, on average, we have six felonies on our subway system a day. But we also have a face. 3.5 million people use that subway every day, and they get to and from their place of employment without any incident at all. Republican candidates in the U.S. seized upon crime as a central issue in Tuesday's election. At least two people are dead in the wake of Hurricane Nicole in Florida. Now a tropical depression, the storm weakened overnight as it barreled into Georgia. President Biden heads overseas through the middle of next week to speak with foreign leaders about climate change, the war in Ukraine, and America's competition with China. The president's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, says his boss has been boosted by the better-than-expected performance of his party in the midterm elections. He feels very good about where things stand, and he feels like he is going out on this trip with the wind very much at his back. And um, that gives him an excellent opportunity both to deal with competitors from a strong position and to rally allies. 
In Indonesia on Monday, President Biden sits with his Chinese counterpart on the sidelines of the G20 summit. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones has been ordered to pay $473 million to Sandy Hook families. The punitive damages are on top of the $965 million he was ordered to pay last month. The family sued Jones after he claimed the 2012 killings were a hoax. Jones responded, calling the judgments, which now totals $1.4 billion, a joke, saying he doesn't have the money. Today, New York City will hold its Veterans Day Parade. Nearly 200,000 participants will be marching up Manhattan's Fifth Avenue. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 6.36 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. Busy night in local hockey. Rangers ended a three-game slide. They won at Detroit 8-2. to two. They scored six goals in a ten-and-a-half-minute span of the third period. Islanders in Arizona scoreless until the third period. The Coyotes won 2 nothing. Devils hosted Ottawa and liked the game the other night. Nico Heeshear scored the game winner in overtime. Devils won 4-3. They've won eight in a row. 11 of 12. In all 11, they have not allowed more than three goals. And the Devils have given Marty Brodeur a new job. Their longtime Hall of Fame goalie was working as a team advisor and more on the business side. Now becomes VP of Hockey Operations. GM Tom Fitzgerald will report to Brodeur. Knicks look to get back to 500 tonight. They host Detroit. NFL Week 10 began with Carolina's 25-15 to win over Atlanta. Sunday morning, it's Seattle and Tampa Bay, the first game ever in Germany. Giants Sunday host Houston, a team with only one victory. Giants before the bye had that loss in Seattle. Their coach is Brian Dable. Important game, you know, at home. Uh, Going to have to play well. We came off a bye. I feel like we're rested. Uh, the guys have had a lot of good energy here these last couple days. And we need to go out there and have a, a good week and uh, like we do every week. Former Giants linebacker Blake Martinez was playing for the Raiders. He had 11 tackles this past Sunday. Martinez suddenly yesterday announced his retirement at age 28. Said he wants to focus on his family and future passions. Mets picked up the $14 million option on Carlos Carrasco. Just had a 15-win season. Justin Verlander declined a $25 million option in Houston. Becomes a free agent. The Dodgers and their longtime ace Clayton Kershaw said to be close to a new one-year deal. John Stashella, Bloomberg Sports. Amy. All right. Thank you, John. It is 6.38 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. For that, we are joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta. Kriti, good morning. Good morning, Amy. You know, when you look at the green on the screen in futures right now, up about six-tenths of one percent, there's a lot that's folding into it. Some of this is a little bit of kind of excitement coming from the CPI report that is expected to really show that inflation has peaked. That's really from yesterday, some of that sentiment seeping through. But a good chunk of today's gains are coming from this idea of China perhaps easing COVID's restrictions even further. And that's really showing up in the individual movers. When you look at the biggest moving stocks right now in the pre-market, and a lot of them are China exposed. Take a look at this. Las Vegas Sands, LVS is your ticker. Shares are up almost 5% in the pre-market. Remember, they have a major, um, 
casino and operating base in uh, Hong Kong, in Macau as well. So you do see the casino names become kind of this proxy to some extent for some of the gains that you are seeing um, in China and some of the changes there as well. And of course, we always like to look at the Chinese ADRs as well as kind of a proxy for that. Alibaba can be our poster child. BABA is your ticker. Those shares up 4% alongside some of the other Chinese ADRs. But another way to look at this, Amy, is also through the commodity space. Remember, you have oil um, up as well on the idea that perhaps China is actually going to perhaps rejoin the global economy in a way that it hasn't really been able to for the last two years, or at least take steps towards that. That's going to create a little bit of uh, pep in your step if you are a bull on oil. There's also if you're a bull on copper, and for that you are seeing copper actually a bit higher as well. And as a result, the copper miner, Freeport McMoran, FCX, also higher on the day, about 3.7%. So Las Vegas Sands, Freeport McMoran, both two of the biggest movers this morning, once again really coming off of that China sentiment. But, Amy, it's not all macro, I promise. Some of it <laughs> is actually based on the individual fundamentals. And for that, I want to look at what's actually moving to the downside. And that is Intel. And I really have to talk about the fact that it is a very broad rally. I'm looking at our uh, really great most function here, MOST, on the Bloomberg Terminal. And you're only seeing 13 stocks down. The rest are higher in the pre-market. But the poster child for the one that's lower is Intel. INTC shares are down about 2%. This comes after AMD looking to really diversify some of their server sales and Intel and AMD have kind of been neck and neck in this race for market share. Intel right now losing out on that because AMD is making some progress on the server front. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta, thank you so much for that insight. We appreciate it this morning. Looking at stocks as a whole ahead of the open, well, Kriti just was mentioning it. Futures are higher. S&P futures up 22 points now. Dow futures up 171 points. NASDAQ futures up 84 points. Uh, the bond, of course, the bond market, of course, is closed for Veterans Day. DAX in Germany up six-tenths of a percent. CAC in Paris up four-tenths of a percent. FTSE in London down three-tenths of a percent. Much more still to come on this Friday morning edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update is brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SCIC.com slash tech. Futures on the rise this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures in the green right now. Dow futures up 156 points. SBs gain 18, while NASDAQ futures are higher by 65. The bond market is closed today. Gold is trading higher by three. Oil is climbing, but Bitcoin is down by another 2.6%. Japan rose 3% overnight. Note that China relaxed some COVID restrictions, and European markets are trading mostly higher right now. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, Michigan sentiment. And in other news, FTX Digital Markets had its assets frozen in the Bahamas, and people familiar said that Elon Musk, Elon Musk warned Twitter staff 
The company faces possible bankruptcy if the cash burn lingers. Wrapping things up, Intel was cut to underweight over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen. All right, Bill, thank you. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. In Arizona, the races for U.S. Senate and governor are still too early to call. Democratic Senator Mark Kelly leads Republican Blake Masters by 5.6 percentage points, while Democrat Katie Hobbs was 1.4 points ahead of Republican Carrie Lake in the governor's race. Vice President Kamala Harris will be filling in for many of President Joe Biden's traditional duties on this Veterans Day. Biden will be in Egypt at the U.N. Climate Conference, a meeting with Southeast Asian leaders in Cambodia, and then to a G20 summit in Indonesia. Today, Harris will deliver remarks at Arlington Cemetery and lay a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. In the NHL, the Devils won in overtime against the Senators 4-3. The Rangers and Bruins also won. The Islanders lost. NBA, the Wizards won. Thursday night football, the Panthers beat the Falcons 25-15. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. 649 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. As one of the nation's leading polytechnic universities and a top military-friendly school, NJIT supports America's service members and their families. Learn more at njit.edu slash veterans. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. The U.S., Japan, and other countries will offer Indonesia a climate finance deal worth at least $15 billion. It's designed to help the country shift its power grid away from using coal. Details of the agreement will be announced next week during the Group of 20 Summit in Indonesia. It's a significant recalibration of China's COVID-0 policy that has isolated the country. Beijing has reduced the amount of time travelers and close contacts must spend in quarantine. It's also pulling back on testing, plus a controversial system that penalizes airlines for bringing virus cases into China will be scrapped. And a satellite intended to improve weather forecasting and experimental inflatable heat shield to protect spacecraft entering atmospheres have been launched into space from California. Mission officials say the satellite represents the latest technology and will increase precision of observations of the atmosphere, oceans, and land. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Amy. All right. Thank you, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. It's 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden saying that Democrats are facing some long odds to win the House. Restive Republicans are complicating Kevin McCarthy's path to Speaker of the House. And China confirms that Xi Jinping will meet with President Biden during the G20. Let's get more on these stories. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins joins us now to fill us in. And Emily, let's start with President Biden telling reporters as he left that the Democrats are still alive, but that it was, in his words, like drawing an inside straight. It sounds like he's tamping down expectations. Yes, he is. Uh, I mean, I think to a certain extent, you're hearing a bit of a mixed message from the Democratic Party right now. I think a lot of folks there are absolutely shocked that the race hasn't been called yet for the House. They are shocked at how well they have done, how many seats they have picked up that were just simply not predicted to on election night. I think there's a lot of optimism and hope within the Democratic Party right now, but 
at this point, you know, Biden's right. It would be a long shot for Democrats to take the House. They would need to win a couple of races where currently as vote counts come in, Republicans are now winning. And let's just be clear, Amy, a lot of these are in Western states where vote by mail is very common. And they have rules that say as long as you get your ballot postmarked by Election Day, it doesn't matter if it arrives, you know, four or five days later, it'll still count. And so that's why it's taking so long for some of these places. It is likely at this point that we are going to see Republicans control the House, but they're going to have a very, very, very slim majority. And that might put a limit on some of the more perhaps controversial things that they wanted to do. However, remember, even if Republicans controlled the House, they were always looking at a split government. Most of what they want to do is investigate the Biden administration. And of course, those investigations, you know, they can continue if Republicans only have a one vote majority. Uh, They don't necessarily need um, a lot of Democratic support for that. But still, very interesting dynamics. Um, it's going to make uh, d- debates over the debt ceiling, debates over funding the government, debates over funding the military, particularly far more contentious. Um, and it, it really is going to be uh, quite fascinating to see how Kevin McCarthy or, or another potential speaker navigates uh, what's going to be coming next. Aha, let's get right into that. Kevin McCarthy has been the conventional wisdom thought, the heir apparent, to be the new House Speaker if GOP takes over. And most of this time I've been wondering why would the Democrats be celebrating not that much of a loss? That's like celebrating losing a football game by a field goal instead of a touchdown. Doesn't make sense to me. But you just explained it beautifully that if they have such a tight margin, things are going to be a little bit different for the Republican Party where when the Democratic Party is factored in. Kevin McCarthy, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I mean, well, just think about this past two years, right? Democrats have had such slim margins. How many stories did we report on being like, Democrats want to do this? Oh, nope, they can't. They don't have mansion. They don't have one or two people on board. I mean, the whole story of the last two years has been how difficult it is to govern with narrow margins. Republicans are now facing that exact same scenario. So you have a story on the Bloomberg Terminal uh, that Kevin McCarthy is going to have to work really hard if he is to be the next House Speaker. What does he have to do? And if he isn't the Speaker, who would it be? That's such a great question, Amy, because I was asking so many lawmakers that yesterday, and almost no one could give me an answer on exactly who else they would want to support for Speaker. I think at this point, McCarthy still has a very good chance of becoming Speaker, but a lot of folks in his caucus now have leverage that they are trying to use to get him to promise to various things as far as being more aggressive with investigations. Also, and this gets a little wonky, but it's going to apply to everything. There's a set of rules and processes that govern power in the House, about who gets to make decisions, who can sort of bring things forward. And rank-and-file Republicans are saying that if McCarthy wants their vote, he's going to have to make some changes to the rules. He's going to have to give them more power and himself less power. And that's one of the things that we're really going to see them push for in the next couple days. And that's an option that, that McCarthy has, but it could really put some some limits on what he is able to do as Speaker uh, and might give more power to, say, you know, far-right members of his conference uh, who want to see very aggressive actions against President Biden and his family. So let's take it a step further then. Does this midterm election signal to you that perhaps there's a power shift going on at the top of the GOP right now? It does seem to be the case. There are a lot of questions after the elections 
about Trump in particular. This election was going to show whether or not he would be a kingmaker. And at this point, he has backed a number of candidates who have lost and lost in these major, major races. And so there is some sort of reshuffling going on right now. And it'll, I mean, with the House, it was always going to be the case that the more narrow margins you have, the more power you're going to see. I mean, think of how Joe Manchin played out the last two years, right? right. Joe Manchin had power because the margins were close. If the margins are close in the House, you're going to see a new crop of Republicans that are really able to throw their weight around a little bit and be able to get things done they wouldn't if, there were larger margins, say. Less than a minute here, Emily, President Biden heading to the G20. What are you watching for? So absolutely that meeting with uh, Chinese President Xi. It is supposed to be their first face-to-face meeting between the two leaders. There's already tension going on. The U.S. said that it will be briefing Taiwan about the meeting between the two. Uh, China has now responded to that, condemning the White House plan to do so, uh, saying that it would be uh, a break in precedent. So obviously, you know, it's an important meeting between two important world leaders, but it's, it's already off to a rocky start. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. You've worked hard all week because of these midterms. We really do appreciate you taking the time with us this morning. Thanks so much. S&P futures up 19 points. Dow futures up 166. NASDAQ futures up 69 points. More on these stories from Bloomberg.com on the Bloomberg Terminal. Follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Bloomberg surveillance now. Tom Keen and Jonathan Farrow are coming up next. Along with Karen Mosco, I'm Amy Morris. Stay with us on this Friday morning. Much more still to come. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.